It's it's like old times all over again. Adam, what's up, bro? I thought the vaccine worked. Whoa! <laughs> it Whoa. did work. It did work. It worked. I'm here. I feel good. It's funny. Um. Uh. Uh. uh the just to, to quickly run down what happened. Um. The uh. I get a call from Jax on Friday night. Jax is if 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 you don't know, Jax is my co-host at Virgin Radio here in Toronto on the morning show. And uh, she's like. Hey, uh, I tested positive and she's like panicked. I'm like, okay, no problem. I'll just go get a test tomorrow. So in Canada, uh, and, and I, I texted this to Alan Walsh. He couldn't believe it. We're rationing our COVID tests because we don't have enough. Um, so they, like the government was like, we're not giving them to you anymore. You have to go buy them. And there are, there are a hundred and 130, 140 bucks each or something like that for a PCR. Uh, my wife paid 180 most recently, and I yeah. paid, I think it was about 160 so that I could go to Leafs Media Day. Yeah, so there you go, right? So uh, Natalie and I go the next day, we get our results, it's negative, and then the next morning I wake up, so this is Sunday, I'm supposed to go get my booster, and I um, uh, um, we're, we're, we're rationing those too. Uh, and uh, essentially, I'm feeling a bit funny, and like it's dry air, so I'm assuming that my throat's just dry because of that. And, uh, and then of course, you know, I get the booster later on in the day, I'm starting to feel like headache and aches and whatever else. And I've figured it might just be booster related. Um, and then, uh, then the next day it was like, oh, like this is, this isn't just booster. Like you're not going to get, you know, they talk about that COVID cough or whatever that you get. I had that and, uh, you know, a bit of congestion a runny nose or whatever, but it's funny, you know, as much as I'm lucky, right. Felt like, um, uh, it felt like just a flu uh, for me, um, but I, I think it would have been even milder had I not got the booster and had the side effects from the booster, probably. Um, and what's shocking about it is that like as soon as it like as quickly as it came, it left. So I sound nasally right now because there's obviously some remnants. Um, but man, I'm so glad. So glad I have them, those vaccines, because honestly, like it was uh, it was here and gone. And I know that's not the case for everybody. Um, and obviously I'm not trying to diminish how serious this will be for certain people. Uh, but the reality is for the majority of us, it's not going to be, um, thankfully, um, as serious as it would have been, uh, if it wasn't for those vaccines. So I felt it feels good to actually be back. Cause I wasn't sure I'd be back today. So it was nice. It's good to have you back. Um, there was, but that was a harrowing experience getting that Friday night phone call from you. Hey, so, you know, Sunday. the show that I do. No, no. Cause it was, uh, Hey, you know, the show I do, uh, before yours <laughs> or before ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Someone had COVID and we were both like, Oh, fiddlesticks. What does that mean? Jesse was like, okay. <laughs> All right. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice speaking with you. Have a neat, have a pleasant you evening. Said, you said, uh, this feels like the before times that to start off the show. And I was like, it's not the before times. This is just the times it's been yeah. long enough to where this is just it. It's not the before. This is our reality. So yeah, I don't well, know. I've, it, I've, people slumped, got I've slumped into acceptance. 
Yeah. Well, now. people got mad at me a couple days ago uh, when I said, or a couple shows ago when I said, like, we got to learn to live with this thing. We do. Like, this is what I'm talking about, right? Where the show is adjusting. We're going to be, um, obviously, we're going to be remote today and then we're going to be remote tomorrow and then we're back in studio Monday. That doesn't um, mean walk butt ass naked into every establishment that you want. <laughs> well, you know? it could. I mean, what are you into? <laughs> I mean, no, every establishment. There's somewhere that's perfectly fine. Yeah, 100%. I think. You know, asking Robbins. Ultimately, you know? I think um, I, I'm I'm thrilled with that that it's gone. I sure sure as hell wouldn't want to do it again. Um, but you know, I had a cold in November that lasted longer than this, and I, I think that just goes to goes to show why you get a vaccine and uh, why it's important if you can get one. Obviously, I know there's some people that have exclusions and whatever. And uh, and you know, the thing is, this thing spreads so quickly. The other, the other thing we were talking about on the air this morning is that like. Jax apologized and she's like, I know you have a dot. I know you have a child. And oh, I was Jesus. like, I was like, Jesus. And it, it reminded me of like that first wave when, you know, it's like when you got COVID, the assumption was that you were doing something you shouldn't have oughta. Right. You know what I mean? A lot of yeah. shame associated with it. And she was like, I'm just so sorry for how I've affected your life, Adam. And I said, Jax, it's a fucking virus. Like, yeah. this is what viruses do. They jump from host to host. And when we put up protections, they find a way around the protections. That's what viruses do. And so, like, I my thinking was, like, I, I do think we got to get away from uh, Canada, I think, more than the states. I think the states are probably looking at this a little bit differently. But, you know, in Canada, unless you were on that Sunwing flight to the Caribbean and you were, like, <laughs> sticking Vaseline <laughs> up your nose to fake a COVID test positive or, or a negative COVID test, like, which is what they were doing, by the way. That's how they they all made sure they all knew that, you know, one of them or two of them probably had Omicron uh, because you can, you know, most people are probably going to be exposed to it. So they put Vaseline up their nose so that I the did test not would come know back. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should read that story. It's nuts um, with the Quebec influencers. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, my thinking is that, like, we got to drop the shame part of this. It's a little ridiculous. You're not a part of a leper colony. You didn't do anything wrong. Uh, and, you know, it's time to just like, go. OK, well, you had COVID. All right. So what are we going to do about it? No, and Adam, Adam, if you give me this, I'm going to kick your ass. I, I think that's the way maybe, to treat you it. Make me feel bad about it. Yeah. As if we don't have enough to feel bad about, you know. I'm going to call your mom. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going to complain to you. I'm going to call your mom. You know what you should do? Like, who did it. you raise? Subtweet me. Mm, I should do that too. <laughs> Don't tag me in it. Subtweet me, man. I will. Um, I, anyway, I, that's that's been my experience. I just I thought the the guilt thing was worth bringing up because I think there's a lot of people that are like, you know, I haven't got it yet, and and that's because I've been vigilant. I, I think at this point, if you haven't got it yet, you've been lucky, yep. and and you you should look at it that way. And good yep. for you. That's great. Um, but o Omicron is so um, you know you can debate whether or not how severe it is. Whatever. It may be a less severe version, but it is far more transmissible. Um, so if you haven't got it yet, you're lucky. Uh, or maybe you have and you didn't even know it. And that's the thing. You know, uh, you talk to any doctor, they're like, you know, you, you've probably been exposed to COVID already. You just didn't know it. And, uh, and so, yeah. So here we are. We're going to be doing this show. And it's funny because Steve had to stay up till 3 o'clock doing LFR, like 3 a.m. Yep. Woke up at 7 this morning. Yep. And uh, we have got one of the heaviest news days I've ever seen. Like I called Jesse on uh, 
on Monday. And he's like, man, you always miss the shows with the big news. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and it started with like Subban for Weber, right? Like way back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but I can't even refill my coffee because my wife's online teaching upstairs. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, because she, so she's like, so you record wh uh, when? I'm like, the same time as always. And she's like, right, right. Uh, where? <laughs> I'm like, she was where? expecting you to be here. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Uh, the basement. Yeah. Well, we had a ton break yesterday. There's some stuff. Honestly, there's a there's this um, there's a few things we got to talk about. Uh, there's a Bobby Clark interview that I think slipped through the cracks a little bit, which is fucking bananas. We've got a, a minute yeah. and a half clip. That's from the Cam and Strick podcast. Um, there's a John Shaka, former general manager of the Arizona Coyotes article that he wrote about himself that I think you're going to find really interesting. He wrote because it about himself. You didn't read it? No. So this is the th there was like you said, there was so much that oh, Steve, I just couldn't. Good. I'm, I'm excited to hear you react to it live. Yes. I'm excited for it. you to react. Okay, I'm excited too. Because honestly, and I was talking to somebody, and I don't know if they'd be comfortable with me throwing their name out there, so I won't say it, uh, but I want to give this person credit. Uh, but they said it felt like a gigantic subtweet. The whole article. The oh, whole I article. Can't wait. The I can't wait. I can't wait. The, the John Shaker one. Yeah, yeah about no, no. the NHL. Who was he, he subtweeted? Well, so that's what I want to break down with you guys, because it seems like there's a message if you read between the lines, but I'm not totally sure who it's meant for so when we get to it we'll, we can we can talk about it i'd like to get your very informed opinions on it because i really have no idea um but i i also uh you know rick west had also dropped an enormous story yesterday about the nhl and firing people for reporting things and deleting the evidence it's really uh if it's true it's it's an unbelievable report um, so I, I want to talk about that as well. So it's going to be, sorry, Steve, a bit of a heavy lifting chill, but, um, I would do well, want to start I'll have an app. <laughs> I know the I know the leaf game was interesting last night, but I want to start with where the timeline starts, which is a 10 AM, uh, mountain time press conference in Edmonton with Ken Holland. And I'm not sure if you guys watched it, Jess, did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. I saw the, uh, I saw the clips that were circulating. I didn't watch the press conference, but yeah, so, I saw what he said. So I want to um, I want to shout out Daniel Nugent Bowman of The Athletic, who just did an amazing job breaking it down. But this tweet, I think, basically sums up what happened. And he said, Ken Holland poured cold water on near turn moves for the Oilers, as in firing the coach or doing some sort of deadline trade. He left the door open for Evander Kane. And otherwise, he made it pretty clear. Mike Smith uh, and better play from some players will be the solution to turning this team around. And what Ken Holland essentially said, guys, was, you know, they've had a bad five weeks and those five weeks have been spread out 13 games. Um, so it wouldn't have normally lasted this long, uh, but because of the COVID postponements and whatever, this is what's happened. Um, it's fair to say Oilers nation didn't react well to this press conference. No, they didn't say anything. <laughs> so like it, uh, to me, it's a, uh, it's the GM wearing it. You know, sometimes the, the coach will take attention off the team mm -hmm. uh, to put the heat on him, and that's his way of jumping on the grenade. Um, this is Ken Holland doing it, but he did it by saying nothing. Uh, he essentially said nothing. Um, we're going to stay the course. They're probably not as good as the 16-5 and five they were at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. They're probably not as bad as the, what is it, two regulation wins in 13 games. Two, nine, um, and two. It is horrible. The one thing before you keep going, Steve, I just want Jesse to Jesse. Can you turn up your mic just a little bit, buddy? 
Oh sure. Uh, how's there. That? Oh yeah. That's That's clear. Better. I like that. Sexy Turn the Jesse up so. to eleven. Yeah. All right. Go <laughs> ahead, Steve. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. No. No. Um. So he he didn't uh, say anything, but here's here's why here's what he's trying to do. He's just trying to buy time. Okay. And if you had asked me this trivia question, I couldn't have given you the answer off the top of my head. For the both of you, when is the trade deadline? That's a good question. Uh, I thought it was beginning of April. Okay, that's Adam's answer. I'm going to guess March of 10th. I, I like Adam's idea of an April Fool's trade deadline day. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's uh, a smart insider man. Might, <laughs> might be a busy bee that day. Um, it is March 21st. Okay. So the Oilers and every other team that is not sure who they are, have uh, about 10 weeks to discover. <laughs> they, they have some time. So, I mean, I am not stoked on Ken Holland as a general manager. Um, he obviously has a past track mm-hmm. record of success. His recent track record, like the end of his Detroit tenure and onward, has been abysmal. Um, but... I don't think he's stupid. If this continues, uh, changes have to be made, whether it's coaching or personnel or both. Um, I don't, I can't imagine a scenario where this continues for the Oilers. And, you know, teams try not to be reactionary and, and tenured GMs try not to be reactionary. But we've seen plenty of examples. I want to say Vancouver was one of them where things were going really bad. They hold a press conference to say, no, we're staying the course. And then things continue to be bad for like, I don't know, five more games. And that's mm-hmm. it. Right. <laughs> that's it. People are fired. All it took was five more games. So if the Oilers get back to playing games and like, I don't, I don't know what their upcoming schedule is. I could look it up. Um, but if they don't do so hot over the next half dozen games, I mean, that's 12 points. That's 12 points up for grabs. That's that's a lot of season. And all of a sudden, uh, March, uh, I already forgot, March 21st yeah. seems uh, a lot closer. And that's he, about two extra weeks because it's usually the second week, week of uh, March. So they get, get a little extra runway. And like as a general manager, looking at it from that perspective, um, <laughs> you stop. Ken we got to talk about you, uh, by, you the way, Ken by the way. By the way. If, if the way the way he's probably looking at it, because I can get inside his mind as a as like the, in the same role, he's as probably looking at it as he has the bullet to play with his head coach. You know, that's probably because if he starts trading from the roster, then he's admitting that it's his fault. And I don't think he wants to do that. So I think like the first thing that we see happen if the Oilers keep losing is Tippett being fired in the next month or so. So it's interesting. He now he's if that's the case, Jesse, he's painted himself into a corner because he mm-hmm. said the Oilers have had seven head coaches in the last 10 years. You can't just keep flipping out coaches. And I so, think he does the exact opposite. He actually so you're he's saying lying in the next, to us. You, you think that that won't affect them? Because, <laughs> yeah, GMs lie to the media all the time, or it's not so much lying as they change their mind because of the circumstances that happen on the ice. And you know? like, I don't I don't know when they're supposed to get this back. Really? Because, okay, so they play Saturday. 
They they have a postponed game against Minnesota, postponed game against Vegas, an actual game against Ottawa on Saturday, a postponed game against Winnipeg, a postponed game against the Chicago Blackhawks, and then after barely playing for two weeks or whatever it ends up being, your first game back, Florida. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Followed by uh, Calgary, which is always a heated affair, and you know, then they get Vancouver. So like, who knows, maybe all those in division games, you know, oh, get the blood pumping, you know, maybe it's a angry affair that gets you going and galvanizes everyone. You know, maybe there's a couple pats on the shoulder. Hey, go out and get them. Uh, go. Uh, I almost said Luch, but he's not on the team anymore. I don't know. Whoever fights on the Oilers, go out there and fight whoever fights on the Oilers. And you know, that's what turns their season around. But uh, I, how do you even, if you're Dave Tippett behind the bench, how do you even come up with a plan? Well, I think you got to remember, right? The Dave Tippett that you've seen for the last five weeks is also the Dave Tippett that went 15 and six with this team to start the season. Yep. And I acknowledge that that's probably an unsustainable pace, but maybe there's a happy medium. And maybe the Dave Tippett problem is really a Ken Holland problem for never addressing the goaltending. And, you know, he said it again yesterday. It's going to be Mike Smith and better play. Well, I think... Are the Oilers capable of playing better? Sure. Uh, but I think for them to be contenders, he's going to ask them to play above their current skill level for a sustained amount of time. And I don't know if that's reasonable. And it's not to denigrate any of the players that, that, that are currently there. But if you look at the defense core, and, I, and again, I always go back to this with the Oilers, the supporting cast around Connor and Leon, um, who, are the, who are the people, frankly, who should be picking up the slack because you're not scoring. So you may as well play some defense, right? Mm-hmm. Fair? Mm-hmm. Fair. Are these people, like, do you look at this roster and go, that's a roster that can even compete for the second round? Like, do you, feel, do you look at that and go, Stanley Cup contenders? And, and can I talk about the storm coming for a certain individual on the Oilers? Um, because he, uh, he, he's a good player and he's popular. Uh, Wayne Gretzky. But we'll, we'll see how long that lasts if the team keeps struggling. That's a ticket. Because you cannot divorce a player from his contract. Bob Asensa. Darnell Nurse. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you bring up Darnell Nurse. Let me uh, – I, I want to come back to Darnell, but give me your point on Darnell. What do you think? What are your, what are your thoughts there? I'm not even saying he's bad. But not once through any conversation we've had about the Oilers, any conversation I've had with anybody about the Oilers – um, has Darnell Nurse come up? That dude. Okay, so he's five point six million right now. That's a good deal. Good deal. Good deal. Next year, it's nine and a quarter Whoa. for the foreseeable future, and that will make him shockingly hold on to your butt for this. The Oilers' second highest paid player, more than Leon. Leon wow. makes eight point five. So the more this team struggle, and like the Oilers, Oilers don't have a dumb fan base. Uh, uh, no, they're pretty no, smart. They know. Uh, so like they'll know he's not part of the problem. But there are there are going to be factions of the fan base, factions of the scribes, who turn their sights on him because they follow the money. When the team struggles, they follow the money. So I want to run you through a thread here. And this is from, I'm sure you guys saw this yesterday from Oilers Payne 
uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it was a great, this is a great thread and, and Oilers pain, boy, that sums up being an Oiler fan since about 1991. Um, and, uh, he, he Here's what they said, and it's a bit long, but bear with me. Ken oh. Holland's been at NHL GM for the past 25 years. Let's look at his last decade of work year by year. Time for a quick thread. Shall we start in 2012, gentlemen? Let's start. Coney. In the offseason in 2012, signed 37-year-old Tyler, or not Tyler, Todd Bertuzzi to a two-year four-point sorry, four million dollar contract. Bertuzzi played 66 total games and retired. He also signed Jordan Tutu for three years, Samuelson for two years, 35-plus contract, Carlo Koliakovo for two years. Samuelson played 30 more games in the NHL. Tutu and Koliakovo both got bought out of those contracts. 2013, two hilariously big bad splashes. Remember this contract? Steven Weiss from Florida. Five years, $24.5 million. Mm. They bought him out after two seasons and 11 total goals. Oh, then signed Jonathan Erickson to a six-year, $25.5 million contract, which he finished in the AHL. Oh, man. In 2014, he signed Jonas the Monster Gustafson to a one-year, $1.85 million deal. Gustafson went on to play seven games. Oof. He signed Dan Cleary to a 35-plus contract, $1.5 million plus a million in performance bonuses. Cleary plays 17 games, his last 17 in the NHL. He traded Patrick Eves, Cal Yarncroak, and a second for 21 games of 34-year-old David Legwand. Oh. Now, that, that to me... Yeah. Now, yeah. I got to be honest with you. That, to me, feels like a Babcock move. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right. I just want a guy named David Legwand. He's played for Barry Trotz, and he's defensive, and he's boring. And I can, tr I can throw him out there for 89 minutes a night. Um, 2015, signed 35-year-old Brad Richards to a $4 million deal. Richards plays his final 68 NHL games on this contract. He gets 28 points for $4 million. Bucks. Um, signed uh, declining Mike Green for three years and $18 million also that year. And also, and this one's a big one, signed Justin Abdelkader, seven years, $29.75 million. That was bought out by Steve Eiserman. Uh, if you remember, in about 2017, the Leafs were sniffing around and Abdelkader's name was being put out there. Babs apparently really wanted him. Lou almost did it. Thank God that didn't happen. 2015 continued. Signed Dan Cleary again. How are we three years in? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Signed Dan Cleary again for a one-year contract, 950000 He played 35 AHL games that did not make it to the NHL. He traded the signing rights to Matthias Janmark plus a second round pick that turned into Rupe Hints for, for 11 games of Eric Cole's NHL career. That's got to be a deadline deal. That's bad. And it's Ooh, the last, tree idea. The last 11 games of, of Eric Cole's career. Oh, I got to, I'm going to mark that one down. Uh, 2016 went on a hilariously bad spending spree. And I think 16, wasn't that the really bad free agent year? It was dud, 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 dud. Like every contract was a bad idea. So Detroit signed up almost $100 million that summer, and Good. all of them are bad. Darren Helm, five years, $19.25 million. Mato. Franz Nielsen, six years, $31.5 million, bought out by Iserman. Danny Kaiser, six years, $30 million. Modern. Moved back from the 16th spot in the draft, which, by the way, was Jacob Chikrin to 20th for Dennis Cholofsky uh, to offload Pavel Datsuk's contract. Just to offload the, the contract. 
is is the bad move the trade or the bad move the pick? I think the I think the bad move is the pick. Why not both? Uh, why not both? I don't know. Trade tree, man. You tell me. <laughs> 2017 signed Trevor. I remember this one signed Trevor Daly. Three years, nine point five million dollars. Uh, managed 44 games all year in year two and 43 in all of year three, all at replacement level or lower Then retired. And then he didn't do a whole lot else. 2018 tacked on two more years of Mike Green's decline at 5.275 per year. I remember that. I remember thinking like, why didn't they just trade him at the deadline? Hilariously, Green finishes that contract off with two games in Edmonton. You guys remember that? Mm -hmm. Paid $3 million for the last 64 games of Thomas Vanek's career in uh, 2018. Sold off some assets to start the rebuild of the roster he destroyed. Oilers paint is clearly not a fan. Uh, he left Detroit a parting gift, a $5.1 million contract for Jimmy Howard to play 27 more games for the franchise, his last in the NHL at an 8.82 save percentage. And then he comes to Edmonton and picks uh, away at the fringes, but still manages to overpay Chason and Jujar Kara. In 2020, he signed Zach Cassian to a four-year $12.8 million extension. He also bridged Darnell Nurse to set up the atrocious next contract. I don't know. Is, is, do, we, do we call that atrocious yet do we call that atrocious yet i don't know it's only atrocious if they don't accomplish anything right, right. which they haven't like why do you think the leafs take so much shit yeah because they if haven't done anything yeah yeah you know uh, he then signed kyle turris at two years 1.65 million traded a fourth for two I games of mike kyle green Turris. traded two seconds for 13 games of a uh 2021 executives uh, executes the final step of botching nurses Nurse by extending him for eight years at $74 million. I don't know if I agree with that quite yet. Uh, signed Tyson Berry for three years, $13.5 million. Extended uh, Slater Cuckoo and uh, Devin Shore for two years each for some reason. Uh, traded Jones in a pick for Duncan Keith's full cap hit. And traded Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle. And there you have it. The past 10 years of Ken Holland. What a run. And most of that should make Detroit fans mad. Yeah, yeah. I like, think they're already they're past mad though. They're they're like oh no, they're fine now. They have like two guys who are going to get nominated slash win the Calder. I think they're fine. By the way, is Philip Zadina just never going to make the NHL? Um, Philip Zadina's got a little bit of uh, I'm trying to think of who is his Leafs comparable, but the Leafs had like so many good prospects for a while that the okay ones were bums. But you know he was what like I mean? a top five pick, wasn't he? He was high. I want to say he was eighth. He was know. sixth overall in sixth. 2018. And he has played 121 NHL games, has but he? he hasn't stuck in any year. He's played wow. uh, 28, 49, and 35 last three years. Wow, Even okay. this year, four goals, six assists, 10 points in 35 games, minus 13. Um, I mean, geez, he's 22. He's 22 yeah. and like a relatively fresh 22. I think he'll be fine. Now, maybe now not a sixth overall pick, but he'll be fine. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So at Oilers Payne, when they're doing this thread a decade from now, and Ken Holland is still the GM of the Oilers, they may be able to add the next contract to their list in the next couple of days. Because according to former NHL referee Tim Peel, yeah. newsbreaker Tim Peel, Evander Kane, uh, out of the choices. And here were the choices that I heard. Are you ready? Uh-huh. And these are, these, are the, these, are the, these are some of the choices. Uh, a lot of teams were interested. A lot of teams called. You have both teams in Florida, Colorado and Edmonton. And he gets the lineup with, uh, this is Evander Kane, gets the lineup with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl every night. Not a hard sell for a hockey player. Um, and if Tim Peel is to be believed, and I believe David Pagnotta, uh backed him up, although Dan Milstein put some, some water on that fire and said, I, uh, not so yet. That was a fake David Pagnotta tweet. No, got, but there was a real David Pagnotta tweet. There was where a he was real one, it. but Milstein <laughs> replied to the one that was when he got booted. <laughs> Jesse, Adam and I had this debate last night because he had seen the real one, and but not the fake one, and I had seen the fake one, but not the real one. Yeah. Right. So we didn't know what was true. I'm like, I yeah. swear to God, Steve, I've seen it. I swear to God. And Pagnotta <laughs> reported, basically just confirmed what Peel says, that they're talking to Edmonton. But Milstein went at the guy who was not the real Pagnotta, who was just a fake account who reported one year, $1.5 million right. deal signed. It was very funny on Twitter. It was. Now, like, was. stylistically and on the ice, it all makes sense. Like, would Kane make the Oilers better? Yep. Would he make the Avs better? Yep. I mean, if that's possible up front, I think they're fine. Uh, Tampa, yep. If that's possible up front, I think they're fine. But yep. The Panthers, Yep. If that's possible to make them better up front, I don't think you can, but yep. Uh, But we're ignoring like, okay, for the reason for the reasons Evander Kane has most recently been in the news for the Florida teams make a big old bunch of sense. You want to go somewhere where they don't give a fuck about COVID. (laughs) Well, want, that's not the case in terms of your team and the rules of the NHL. It's not. Yeah, it's the case of the the protocols and in, in the yeah. league, and that that's got nothing to do with the state. Um, you're absolutely right. Um, but like we discussed at the beginning of the season, he was San Jose's best forward last season. So this was the thing. We're like, man, how how much of a jerk does a guy have to be to be his team's best forward and for the entire team to be like, get out of here, except for like (laughs) one guy or two guys. Um, But the sharks aren't alone or sorry, the the sharks, uh, the, the guys on the sharks who do like him. I mean, executives are lining up to give him millions of dollars. Well, and a spot on their roster, which means kicking off some other guy who's been, you know, he's worked, his way up from the minors and he's doing all the right things. And guess what? We're kicking you off for a Vander Kane who yeah. Ken Holland, do you believe in second chances? All right. Follow-up question. What about third, fourth, and fifth? And maybe the reason teams still have faith in him. Well, I, I was going to say if faith in his hockey DB page. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's the, I, I'm with you, Jesse. Uh, like, so 
I was looking at this yesterday and like, I totally got, get a reclamation project. You got an insanely talented hockey player who fights and scores and is big. And, but I, I wanted to be kind of honest here because obviously like, let's run, run through some of the events, just some of them. There's a major uh, bankruptcy case right now involving gambling debts borrowed against his former contract. That's now been terminated that are unpaid. Uh, there were complaints inside the San Jose dressing room begging Doug Wilson not to bring this guy back, how he's not a team player, and he's not even somebody that's liked. Uh, and then uh, there is, you know, uh, like th this isn't even like the first time we've heard this either. Like every team, I, I think with maybe the exception of Buffalo, has had some variation on this story. There was the, tr you know, the back on tracksuit. Uh, remember that from Winnipeg? Winnipeg, yeah, Buffalo There was tracksuit in the shower. Yeah. And then and then, of course, there was the accusations made by uh, his I, I don't want to say his wife, his his girlfriend, who is the mother of his child earlier this summer, um, not just about gambling, but also about potential domestic abuse. And and then you've got and then he comes back and he fakes his covid shots before the season even starts. And then you're talking about a material breach of contract when he flies to Vancouver while in covid protocol in the NHL, not telling the team. And then after all that happens, it's been less than a week and 20 GMs are calling. Well, and he allegedly showed up a week late. Mm -hmm. Is that what it was too? In the yeah, yeah. So there's a report back on the 31st and he showed up on Jan 6th. So the contract breaches two parts. Mm -hmm. It's uh, he violated COVID protocol by being positive and flying to Vancouver without medical clearance. And then he supposedly showed up Um he was due back like December 31st and showed up January 6th or, or something like that. So they terminated his contract. Um, I don't think the Sharks are going to get off scot-free. No, they're going to they're going to have to pay. Have I'd to be pay. very surprised. Um, the Sorry. I sometimes the best conversations on 32 thoughts are the ones where they don't know the answer. And I was listening to that today as I was uh, dropping my son off. And <laughs> they're okay. So Kane comes to an agreement with the team, mm -hmm. but an arbitrator finds that his contract was wrongfully terminated and finds him 100% in the right. Uh, what team does he play for? How does well, that I, I work? I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're already past that point. Like, I think they know that. I would be surprised if he ever showed up to the sharks again. No, it's a structured settlement. That's what'll happen. There's but, no way. So for Kane's purposes, it'll be financial compensation, but should the Sharks not be penalized against the cap for canceling a contract they weren't allowed to? I think this is going to be a Mike Richards thing. That's exactly what I said yeah. on the last episode when you weren't there. That's exactly what I said. They're going to pull some number out of a fortune cookie, out of a kinder surprise, out of their ass. They're just going to... Find some number. Is this fair? Sure. And slam it down on the table and it'll be on the shark's cap for like eight years. Yeah, but it'll be like small. Two. Maybe. Maybe not even that. Maybe. What was Mike Richards? And, Mike Richards was what, what, a, what a sham that was. The, the one thing I also want to add is that when, when Evander went to San Jose, they thought, hey, we can fix this guy. Right. Joe well, Thornton the, picked him at the airport. Oh, we got Doug Wilson talking about how they have a great leadership group and they had Vlasic and Burns and Pavelski and Marlowe and all the other people. Was Marlowe even there? Maybe Marlowe wasn't there. Maybe it was the I think he was. One. I don't know. And 
and like, well, this, the leaders will take care of it. But what happened is three of the leaders left Thornton, Pavelski and Marlowe. You still have some strong personalities in there with Carlson, Vlasic, obviously, and uh, um, Burns. Fred Burns. But like, here's the thing. Um, uh, were they able to keep whatever was going on on, on track? No, they weren't. Well, and it's but- like, so you've, you've seen this how many times? And, and Ken Holland is already going to sign a guy up to a team with no receipts that this guy's even trying to get better. Like nothing. Unless there's something I don't know. And where are the receipts here? Reclamation project. Reclaiming what? He was nearly a point of game player last season. So like, so you're going to be, who are you hooking him up with exactly? You know, and how, how do you improve a player? So let's just, let's just throw it all on the table. You're getting Evander Kane because you think he gives you a better chance of winning the Stanley cup. Well, in order to give you a chance at winning the Stanley Cup, he needs to be on your roster before March 21st, right? Because that's the trade deadline. Can you fix a person in two months? You know, it's a reclamation project, isn't it? I don't think these GMs are trying to fix a person. I think they're trying to win hockey games. Exactly. They don't really care what happens. No, so any whoever signs him, they're going to use a lot of flowery language and a bunch of carefully thought out words. And I want you to know, no matter what team it is, no matter who says it, it's all bullshit. All of it. Every word. Carefully crafted, clearly manipulative bullshit. <laughs> They're just trying to win. They don't give a fuck about anything else. Mm-hmm. Well, um, dark. Yeah, a bit, a bit. I, I just, whatever. You know, it's true. <laughs> I want people to get better. I listen in the summertime. I was like, listen, this guy's got an addiction. We got to treat it like an addiction. You're and the only like, guy saying that, but, and, and we do, but that yeah. doesn't mean he needs to play right now. Clearly yeah. based on his actions since then, shit's not all right. The guy is not making well-informed, good decisions. He's not, he's not, you got a fake vaccine passport. hundred percent. Who thinks to do that? No. Is the, okay. I don't know what the answer is, but is the answer a smart person? God, I miss being in studio with you guys. <laughs> well, I'm just listening. I, I think <laughs> I think at the end of the day here, it's just it's just odd that, you know, an Oilers dress room that's already sort of stressed. You can see it on McDavid's face that they're going. This is the guy. And listen, we're assuming that Tim Peel is right here. I don't think Tim's ever broken a, a signing before, so we'll see. Mm. But even if it is Tampa, even if it is Florida, even if it is Colorado, you guys, what fucking galaxy are you living in that you think that you can just fix a guy because you have a bunch of other good people? No, it's right? all bullshit. And it, all it, bullshit. It, it is. Listen, the, he has got to want to change and get better on his own. That's on him. That's his responsibility. You keep signing him up for these contracts. He's got no reason to change. Why would he change? Why would he change a single thing? You know, I, I, I get cut from my contract and 30%, or sorry, 60% of the NHL wants me? Are you kidding? It's crazy. Anyway, my opinion is on this it. Is, if he signs one more deal is this, and then he screws it up, let's say in some imaginary scenario, he uh, does something awful and they have to cut him. Does he get another chance next year? Yes. Or is, yeah. Yes, because Mark Bergevin is in L.A. now. 
Ah, uh, give me a sign. Figure, figure that one out for me. You know what? Uh, <clears throat> there are plenty of valid reasons. You're right to have a bone to pick with Mark Bergevin, but l- let's call it what it is. Uh, it sounds like more than half the league is interested hundred percent in this guy. So this isn't a Bergevin problem. It's a dudes. Don't give a fuck problem. They listen, don't care. You, I have more respect for Tyler Bertuzzi saying, I'm not fucking getting it. At least he shows up and he says, I'm not getting it. At least I'm he doesn't lie. It. Yeah. Listen, At least you I'm, know. If you're, that's you're, you're able to prepare. If that's your opinion and you don't want to do it, fine. You have to deal with the league protocols. You can't play in Canada. All of those things, fine. Mm-hmm. But to show up with a fucking flimsy piece of paper and to get caught... It's so fucking lame, man. I just, I just want to lame. It's you loser it? material. Do you want to see it? The card? See, yeah. Hell yeah. I, I want to see, see the card. Me too. Like the, I want a QR code. It'd be great. That meme that says I am 21. <laughs> right, like, I want to, I, I want to see the card, but yeah, like with a guy like Tyler Bertuzzi, Hey, here's some information. And you go, Oh, well, thank you for that information. Now I can plan with the information that you gave me. Yeah. But when someone lies to you, I don't know if it's criminal, but if someone lies to you, mm-hmm. you cannot plan for the lie. You endanger people with the lie. That is why he was suspended in the first place. A month goes by and he does something stupid again. But you know what? He did have eight points in five AHL games during that month, so it might work for us. He can deliver a nucky sandwich. He sure can. You know, <laughs> I don't know. It might work for us. I don't know. I mm. I mean, listen, if, we were, if we're talking pure skill, Evander Kane with uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid is going to be a hell of a line. This is... It, but like, I, I but, don't know why we're... Can't. Act, we, we can't act shocked about a double standard that has uh, uh, existed since the dawn of time in sports. Uh, if you do bad things, you are held accountable if you suck. <laughs> if a guy does something bad and gets kicked out of the league, folks, it's not because he did something bad. It's because he sucks. Yeah. Tony D'Angelo doesn't suck enough. Contract. Evander Kane doesn't suck enough. Contract. All kinds of dudes I've done shitty things and people use frilly language and guess what? Contract. So here's sometimes a player does a shitty thing and says, don't draft me. Guess what? (laughs) Drafted. He wasn't projected to go in the seventh round. Was he? He was too good to be listened to. He's so good. They ignored him. This is the double standard that's existed uh, since the dawn of time. You, you know, we don't hear about uh, Mitchell Miller very much anymore. He's playing, though, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's playing somewhere, but we don't hear much about it. It's, it's not like a frequently talked about subject. Doesn't, uh, he sucks just enough to be ignored, but he might develop into good enough to get a contract. But we're not talking about a first rounder here. We're talking about a guy who was picked in the fourth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give him some accountability. Yeah. Uh, four, fourth rounders get accountability. Just get out of here. First rounders. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Maybe just a sprinkle of accountability. Just, just a, I don't know. I don't know. How many fourth overall picks do you know? 
Well, it's, and if, if 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 you're kicked out of the league for doing something bad, it's because you stink. Yeah, that's your biggest crime. Is not your biggest crime is that you stink. The second biggest thing is that you did a bad thing. I was going to tweet something to this effect last night, and Steve said, "Just save it for the show." And oh. and essentially, it's this: it's you can Evander Kane can find a job in less than a week after his history, after the things that have happened without receipts. Remember. I'm all for a comeback story. I am all for recovery. I am all for people turning their lives around. But I mean, I don't think there's any more blatant proof that that hasn't happened here. So like I said, he comes back and gets a contract likely within a week of his termination because of his own doing. But we can't find managerial jobs for women or people of color. Can't find them. Can't find it. We can't find good spots for people. Really, it's really tough in the NHL. I'm not sure the talent's there. I'm fucking shocked. Well, like it's 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 just so it's so weird that a guy who quite literally, if he wasn't good at hot, you'd be like, the only reason you're wasting your time with this guy is because he can score 20 more goals than the next guy, really. And and you can't. And I know that seems like a bit of a false equivalency, but you understand where I'm going with this, right? We, you know, they, they talk about how they can't do this and they can't do that. Well, it's, you know, we got to make places for women, but we're not going to do it. Not, at, not at the expense of my job. You know what I mean? It's and not, yeah, you can do that. You can build afford, affordable housing as long as it's not down the street from me. Um, yeah. You know, it's that sort of mentality. And then this guy who's good at hockey and would deserve a chance to come back if he went and did the work gets a job in less than a week. I just think that, I just think that's fucked, man. I do. I do. And I listen, he yeah, might, Adam, Adam, you ever scored 25 goals in the never, NHL? Never, man. Well, never, then, you know, I did it in house league once, one time. Mm, that was yeah. pretty good. That's yeah. pretty good. I mean, uh, I had one year where I just went Matt Bolesky on the league and I scored 37 goals. <laughs> wow. Was your team good too? Yeah, we were a good team. We were really good. Championship? Team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, just went, we went berserk. It was I'm great. just picturing <laughs> a young Steve Birch sitting in the stands. He's not going to shoot 50% forever. <laughs> <laughs> and he was right, though. He was right. Don't you yeah. laugh. He was right. <laughs> it was back down to like 15 goals the next season. You have to understand that we played like 25 games a season. So 37 goals was, was an accomplishment. Ian Todd, um, unsustainable. <laughs> um, Scott Wheeler, uh, wh- ride the wave. West Hill Golden. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, long story short with Evander Kane, it's just, I mean, listen, he could, you know what? Maybe he goes and they, the, uh, the, he goes and signs with the Oilers. They win the cup and a bunch of people tweet me a picture of him holding the cup. It still won't change my opinion. Still won't change. Great. You can always, it's like, oh, a shitty person's holding the cup. Cool. We've been here before. Yeah. Yeah. He's not even special in that regard. (laughs) I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again. It's not the hockey hall of great guys. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now I want to ask you uh, uh, if you've heard this, Jesse, I, I sent you the clip of uh, Cam and Strick. I don't know if you saw that come up. Mm -hmm. Have you not heard the clip, Steve? Oh no, I've heard the clip. It's uh, I have a lot of thoughts and like you, I was like, why isn't everyone freaking out about this? Yeah. I think Flyers Twitter was. And to another extent, um, there was a little, little bit of Blues Twitter and a little bit of Penguins Twitter because Ron Hextall, who is the uh, focus of this Bob Clark uh, clip, 
is the GM of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Can I play it? Go ahead. Yeah. Right away. He shut his door. He locked the doors. He was the boss, and nobody else was part of it. They He's talking about Ron end up drafted. We get the second pick in the draft, and we end up drafting Nolan Patrick. None of our scouts wanted Nolan Patrick. It wasn't, I mean, I don't know where Patrick should have gone after his performances in Brown, and he's a pretty good player, but he certainly, they had, uh, they wanted Makar. Of course, he went next. No, he's a superstar, and Patrick, Patrick hasn't played member, but Hexel made that choice himself. And there were other choices that were made in our drafts that we're paying for. You know, we've got two or three first-round picks that are never going to play. And that's why we're struggling. Hexy made some huge mistakes, and he he gave the Blues Braden Shen too. You know, so I mean, you know, so that was just as bad. You know, we were nobody knew it. Hexy made that on his own. All our scouts it was at the draft. Our scouts were so mad at Hexy for doing that. We also had a chance to get O'Reilly from Buffalo, but we didn't. Obviously, that was the manager's decision, but it was another. One that the scouts weren't consulted on. So in that clip, Bobby Clark, legendary GM player of the Philadelphia Flyers, still in management there, calls out Ron Hextall for essentially basically going rogue, ignoring everybody and going, I'm going to do this my way. And in that, he uh, picks Nolan Patrick over Kale McCarr. Um, Nolan Patrick was getting a lot of attention going into that year, but I remember him sort of starting to fall down the draft rankings, right? I remember that was starting to happen towards the draft. Sort of, but he was pretty, he was going to go top five. Sure. So it's a bit revisionist, but... But you, you know, but teams you, think differently at the draft. I remember even listening to the radio at that point, and they were like, well, Nolan Patrick probably won't play hockey in the NHL next year. And I remember, weren't they coming off like a couple of years straight where it was like, um, uh, you know, McDavid Eichel, Matthews Line A, um, like there was some amazing, and then it was like Patrick, and who was who went first overall that year? Nico Heischer. Nico Heischer, right? And it was sort of like a, don't expect them to be Matthews, uh, McDavid, Eichel level. Well, here's the top five from that draft. Nico Heischer, Nolan Patrick, Miro Haskinen, Kale McCarr, Elias Pettersson. Wow. Holy jumping shit. That's a really good top five. And you could make an argument it's in reverse order. Yeah, you could. (laughs) Not quite, but you know what I mean? Um, so, especially not the way PD's been playing recently. Holy so here's, here's what's shocking to me. By the way, Kale McCarr, I believe, with 15 goals in his last 23 games. The best season from any defenseman. What, since Mike Green, offensively? Probably Mike Green. Like, he's... We're talking about a better season probably than, like, any Eric Carlson ever even put up, which Whoa. is bananas. Whoa. Okay, so 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 then and then he goes on to talk about the Braden Shen trade. Steve, what do you remember about the Braden Shen trade to the Blues? The Braden Shen trade to the Blues. I'd have to look it up. Let me look it up. Uh, real uh, quick. I will look it up for you. Because so here's here's the thing. Uh, he's rattling off mistakes that uh, Ron Hextall made. Now, unless I, I have it for you, by the way. I okay. You. Whenever you're what ready. Do you got? Uh, the St. Louis Blues got Braden Shen. Uh, the Flyers got 
uh, Yuri Laterra, a 2017 first pick and a 2018 conditional. And it's June 23rd. So that looks like a draft day trade. Okay. So they get the, it was a 2017 first uh, that they got. So, I mean, geez, that's Morgan Frost uh, with the other pick, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, mm-hmm. who were, they were able to get, and I don't know who they ended up getting in 2018. Yeah, uh, Yuri played. Lutero was not good. Not good, and that is now in the, the KHL money. with Spartak. I'm surprised he's... Oh, wow, yeah, he's putting up numbers too. Man, he was good in the KHL, came to the NHL, and, and uh, went right back and was fine. Actually, he did have the one pretty good season mm-hmm. in the NHL, but man, I, I just remember... Uh, he was a fancy stat nightmare and everything. But if I'm not mistaken, uh, Bobby Clark says in that clip, well, McCarr goes next. No, he didn't. No, he, he went fourth. Didn't he? he went fourth. Haskinen went third. You could argue if you're a Flyers fan, well, that doesn't make me feel much better. We could have Haskinen in, instead of Nolan Patrick. Okay, fine. The other part of that revisionist history is Nolan Patrick suffered a traumatic brain injury. The other part oh, of yeah. that is this is Bobby Clark throwing um, – Ron Hextall under the bus. What about poor Nolan Patrick? Like, here's here's where I'm caught off guard. Uh, as CJ uh, said on the CJ show, um, oh, God, what was the context? I think it was uh, the Dave Tippett, Miko Koskinen thing. He said, I love honesty. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to criticize Dave Tippett too much because you want, you know, the people who you interview to be honest. Uh, I want Bobby Clark to be honest when he's, ask questions but this was just this was like a wrestling style shoot but that's how bobby clark talks that's how he is yeah but let's let's also contextualize this with it's bobby clark so he's talking about not listening to scouts Mm -hmm. uh at the draft and he remembers the draft so well that a in his answer in this clip he gets it wrong and b Aren't you the guy who forgot who you were going to draft the year the Flyers selected Claude Giroux? Everyone looked that clip up. You haven't seen that clip? Bobby Clark goes on stage at the draft and he goes, the Philadelphia Flyers select. I forget. Well, because he was listening to his scouts. I forget. And he said, what name did you guys tell me? (laughs) Who is it? It's Claude Giroux. So, okay, then we have one GM who won't listen to his scouts and another GM who's just like, who are we picking? It doesn't exactly make you look like a brain surgeon there, Bobby. I I love honesty, and I, and I love that he's, you know, uh, giving this answer. I wish more people were like that, but it stands out in hockey as a total motherfucking. Yeah. And, and this, like, code... And everything stays in the dressing room and we don't air our dirty laundry. That's all bullshit too, because it, that only applies to guys we like. And yeah. Bobby Clark does not like Ron Hextall, but from what I gathered, I, I didn't know there was that big a beef going on there, but Bobby Clark doesn't like him. So the code doesn't apply to him. The sanctity of the locker room or I guess the boardroom does not apply to Ron Hextall because fuck him. I don't like him. And he works for the competition now uh, over in Pittsburgh. God, wouldn't you love Brian Burke's take on this shit? Oh, well, I would. I mean, Brian Burke's working directly with Ron Hextall. I'd love to know what he thinks. 
He absolutely. Oh, yeah. And Brian, I'm sure Brian Burke's uh, job over the past 24 hours has just been to stand with his hands planted on the hood of Ron Hextall's car. Just preventing him from driving to wherever Bobby Clark is and just beating the piss out of him because he's Ron Hextall. It's oh, the number one team I want to see a reality show for in terms of management, like a all or nothing style. You're you're thinking about all the teams and the personality in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't ever learn anything from that shit. The Leafs. Well, we saw with Dubas and Keefe, they became the stars of the show. And we got to see a trade call and we got to see Keefe tell his goalie coach to fuck off. We got to see all that great shit. You're telling me you don't want to see that with Brian Burke and Ron Hextall? Absolutely. That is number one, two, and three. The second team can be number four. I want to see that a thousand times. And I would love to. How doesn't. How don't the Penguins react to this? this clip what you mean on the ice no no like someone if if there is a hockey media god someone is has already put in an interview request to the pittsburgh penguins for ron hextall to get his reaction to what bobby clark said Mm -hmm. now he can deny it and i mean he probably wants to on account of pittsburgh is shit hot right now like literally the hottest team in the league and they got Malkin back. How unfair. I know. It's so unfair. I know. But it, it's staggering to see how many people Bobby Clark could throw under the bus in one clip. And and the, the other thing I didn't like is, well, we had a chance to get Ryan O'Reilly. For what? Right. For what? Oh, yeah. The, we could have got Ryan O'Reilly for uh, Giroux, Provorov, yeah. Frost, <laughs> Patrick. Carter <laughs> Hart. Carter Hart, like that doesn't mean anything. Oh yeah, yeah. we had a chance to get Morgan uh, to Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, yeah, follow up question could have been a great deal. Been yeah, could have been a great deal, but yeah. like that doesn't mean anything. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's just I, I think, it's it's just an attack. It stands. I, I think it makes the Pittsburgh Philly game, whenever the next one happens, very very interesting. Oh and, my and, god. And the reason I say that is that, like, you know that the all the players know this and heard this. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's really good and Philly sucks. And so, so like, you know, here's the one thing about, about uh, Ron Hextall, even though people can point the finger at him and be like, you're the reason we suck, is that he's still on the winning side right now. And so he gets to walk into Philly and go, no, fuck you guys. I'm, I'm going to the playoffs. What are you doing? And, and I, I'm, I would be curious to get his side, but I very much doubt because they're so good that we're ever going to hear. It's listen, you don't have to get an answer, but you have to, if you're a member of the Pittsburgh media, you have to ask the question. You're not doing your job. If you don't, I'll be very upset. I'll be very upset with you. Oh, uh, the, sorry. So the full trade, by the way, so Yori Laterra, the 2017 first and a 2018 conditional first. So yeah. it's Yori Laterra, Morgan Frost, and Joel Farabee. Hmm. I figured that out. So hooray. Like, what does that have to? Why did he bring that up? It's not even terrible. I don't understand. I don't understand. Listen, this is all just a preamble to everyone. We just want to see these two old men fist fight. Yeah. Yeah, I think Come so. Come on.
Kind of like those two CFL guys who like 60 years later started beating each other with the cane at the CFL Hall of Fame event. Have you seen That's that? That's a crazy clip. Okay, yeah, yeah, And they're yeah, like yeah, yeah. 86. <laughs> yeah, we got a, so a lot of our American and European listeners won't know. That. I'll set this up. I'll set this up. So these guys, and I don't even know what teams they played for, probably the Rough Riders and the Rough Riders, because uh, there were two teams called the Rough Riders. One was one word, one was two word at one point. <laughs> <laughs> and they're at a hall of fame event the and these fuck? guys are both old and when i'm talking old i'm, I'm talking like not very mobile old anymore so and, i have it here they're okay. 73 years old each it is joe cap former bc lions uh quarterback and and minnesota angelo, vikings and vikings quarterback yeah and <clears throat> angelo muska uh former hamilton tiger cats defensive tackle there and you professional go. wrestler and I don't even oh. know what they fought over originally years ago. They just hate each other. And so <laughs> one of them goes up and hits the other one in the head with his cane. And it's, it's a like, truly surreal clip. It's been like five decades since they've seen each other. And you just. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesse, you are you playing laugh. the clip? Are you yeah, playing you never this before? You've never, You've never seen, seen that? that? No, no, I've never seen this. Oh, this is unbelievable. It's amazing. It's it's a crazy clip. Just goes to show you some grudges. They they die oh hard. Oh my gosh. Well, and yeah. you can hear everyone in the room like what's the they're all completely flabbergasted at what's going on. Of course. Oh my god. Yeah, that's a surreal clip. Sorry, it's you crazy. gotta pause the show and watch yeah. that right now. <laughs> just just mad, just upset. Oh man. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Ah, anyway, um, moving on from that, the KHL has announced some postponements as well. Um, and this is interesting because, uh, depending upon your viewpoints on how things have been handled, uh, COVID was handled a little bit, um, like we're super strict here in Canada. Russia hasn't exactly been strict about COVID in the same sense. Uh, obviously there's a huge push to get vaccinated and that sort of thing, but there's just been a different, different approach, obviously. And um, the league has uh, basically um, postponed a bunch of games. Uh, the season's going to go about later. And uh, Alexei Morozov, who's the KHL president, said, I want to reiterate our main goal in the pandemic uh, is the health of our players uh, and fans. Nothing has changed. Uh, situation developing rapidly. 60 people in the league got sick in 24 hours and several, several clubs showed symptoms of the disease. KHL will hold games over the next three match days with um, uh, participation of clubs. Uh, there will be no, uh, assuming there's no worsening of the situation and they're going to make up a lot of their games over the Olympic break, just like the NHL. So the, I just thought, man, the, I'm like, the, even if, if I mean, like the KHL is, is like this, then it's pretty, it's pretty big. 
the 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 quote with the numbers from the article is as of january 12th there were 171 positive pcr tests in the league's teams 124 of them regarding players this translates to an increase of 60 cases in just one day like you said including 27 players um who's gonna play at the olympics i don't know (laughs) i don't what's the league below the khl steve vhl maybe players from there i don't know well because like if this is it's not like a league problem necessarily it's a people are getting ill in that country problem or testing positive problem so no this it's just something that occurred to me and i mean it's not uh, the most important issue but uh like if these players if khl players are not allowed to go to the olympics or even some of them, like a chunk of them, who the hell is going to play at this tournament? One thing that kind of relates to that, that I saw yesterday about NHL players is that once you test positive and you go out into COVID protocols, you don't have to be tested again for three months, 90 days, that three months, right? That's, 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 uh, that's a, uh, an advantage for a lot of teams. If you, if you timed your COVID perfectly (laughs) and you're just cool for the rest of the season and the playoffs and you don't have to get tested and there's no risk of you going out. Like I, I thought about that just from like an advantage standpoint versus the other teams. That was, that was something CJ said about the Leafs because they basically just all got it at once. Right. So like, 75% 75% of the team, like over half of the team is just fine for 90 days. Don't worry about it. Yeah, You're good. Uh, outside of like a handful of guys, everyone was in protocol when what's been hurting the Oilers is their cases are just trickling. Yeah. Right. So ideally, like if you get COVID in March, you're good through the playoffs. Oof. There's That's a, so fucking crazy. There's a really no terrible South Park episode right here. I just Oh yeah. <laughs> the lightning. I'm watch the lightning. No, isn't this isn't this um this when, is Stan uh, this is Stan putting his testicles in the microwave to, to get Are you sure? Or no, is it the that's box? not the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's the chicken box episode. No, no, no. I like that one better. The wheelbarrow. T- tell mom it's okay. <laughs> Randy, uh-huh. your balls. I know, smoking weed right in front of a cup. No, I mean, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So it's a, it's, it's a, that, that part of it, I guess, sort of makes sense too. Cause if you get COVID, you can test positive for like, I think 90 days afterwards. Can't you? It's like a, um, so there's like a, there's like a whole bunch of issues with the testing that that's probably the reason that rule exists. Um, so and also the, I think with your Olympics antibodies, I, I think medically they, they at least have confirmed that you're pretty safe after you get it for a while, assuming that there's no major different variant. Cool. So I wonder with your Olympics question, Steve, if the guy tests positive and then they try and go to the Olympics, what is the ruling on that? I don't know. No idea. No idea, man. Well, and like, you know, we, we talked about NHL players potentially testing positive in Beijing mm-hmm. and then having to stay there for three to five weeks. Ooh. And, oh, they're going to be losing so much money. Well, this is rich people losing money. We're starting to get to the point where there's going to be people going who are not particularly rich and they're going to be stuck and not going to get paid the whole time. And what the hell are they going to do? It's, 
it's not something that needs to be worried about just actually yeah it kind of does the olympics start in like what three weeks yeah this is a big deal this is a bigger deal than i think people understand that the khl has postponed now maybe the khl postponing right now is what saves uh the olympics at least on the men's side the women's women's teams they're having a great time they announced the the roster for team canada yesterday that that announcement was so cool by the way with the uh the young girls doing that did you see the video oh yeah yeah. love that um but the men's the men's i have no idea who's playing no 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 clue it'll be fun when that gets announced though i actually think this will be a fun olympics to watch just to see other canada you know (laughs) other very good hockey. hockey players yeah. I like watching hockey, man. Like people, are, oh man, it's garbage hockey. Like, what are you talking about? If the game's close, honestly, that's what people. Um, when people tell me that the MLS is garbage, and I understand that it's not Premiership, and I understand that it's not FA Cup, and I understand that it's not yeah. uh, Champions League or whatever, but like soccer is, especially in in person, such an amazing game to watch. And to me, these guys are playing soccer at such a high fucking level that I like. I don't. I notice. I guess little things here and there, maybe kind of, but to say that like, Oh, the MLS is just bullshit. It looks like shit. I'm like, you just kind of look like an asshole. That's like people saying, remember when Ben Scribbins was on our show and he was like, Oh, you suck. You play in the AHL. And he's like, dude, that's a league below the NHL. That puts you in the top, like 2000 players on earth. Yeah. And it's, he's, he was right. You know, it's anyway. um, Oh, what do you watch the world juniors for the back checking? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. No, up. no, for sure. I love the structure of those teenagers and how they oh. they really they really kill a play. I'm telling you, go go with my idea, NHL three on three overtime. Ban coaches; they have to go to the locker room. Um, okay, so uh, this is from Rick Westhead, a bit more serious. Two former NHL uh, league officials, off-ice officials, alleged in a newly filed lawsuit that they were fired for reporting a colleague who used racist and sexually charged language for years while working for the league. Now, these two guys, one of them was hired. uh, Both were fired February 27th, 2020, right before the first wave of the pandemic. One of them had worked for the NHL since 1998, the other since 2005. They were off-ice officials in Tampa, and they did all the Tampa games. And they said that a colleague named Pat DiLorenzo Jr., repeatedly used racist language at work, um, uh, including but not limited to African-American players uh, and an African-American veteran who sings the national anthem for the Tampa Bay games at Amelie. Um, They reported it to somebody named Ron Brace, who is the NHL's former crew chief in Tampa, and they said he failed to take any action for several years. And the lawsuit says the plaintiffs uh, reported his behavior, DiLorenzo, that is, in November and December of 2019. Um, uh, Anyway, long story short, uh, it says that they were fired for this. And here's the other thing. And Katie Strang, so this is a Rick Westhead report. Katie Strang jumps on that. And she said, according to the complaint, the NHL, via a league attorney, instructed that the video recordings of this language be destroyed. One of the complaints, uh, complaint in central claims is that the plaintiffs felt confident they could share these concerns and be protected by the league's whistleblower slash anti-retaliatory policies in doing so. Instead, they felt targeted for termination after reporting. Uh, Katie says this is interesting in the broader context because the whistleblower protections are also touted as a fundamental component of the NHL's anonymous hotline, which is designed to, quote, receive disclosures of unethical behavior and misconduct. And here is the uh, she goes on to here's the guidance and that sort of thing on it. At the end of the day, 
These guys feel like we reported this and then we got fired. They also knew that a previous female office official from another city was terminated by the NHL shortly after reporting a sexual harassment at work. That's what they say in this lawsuit. So they are looking for their jobs back. They're looking to be rehired and they're looking to, to seek damages as well. Wow. That's not often you hear they want their job back after hearing all that. That might just be a law thing. I'm not really, maybe they come to a structured settlement there. You could, you should ask a like a lawyer. I think you would, you would have to place it in a way that's like, Oh, we, they want their jobs back, but really they, you know, you'd come to a settlement outside of court and they don't get their jobs back, but they get more money or something like that. But it's, if it's true, like if it's true, what, where do we go from here? It's just, it's another thing, man. It's another thing. And it's part of the reason why whenever the NHL says anything, we roll our eyes. Oh, you know, hockey is for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. Like none of us, the NHL, the National Hockey League as a league has not earned the trust of its fans. And it hasn't earned the trust of its prospective fans. And whenever something comes up, whatever the scandal may be, and the NHL claims to not have known, this is why everyone's skeptical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with uh, the Blackhawks scandal that emerged this summer, they knew. They knew for quite some time. They didn't know from the moment that the Blackhawks knew. We do know that. Or do we? I mean, we can't prove it. In this lawsuit, the so what, who ordered who to destroy what? So the NHL apparently, and I'll read this again. Um, uh, the NHL via a league attorney instructed that the video recordings of this language be destroyed. Um, and I guess... Um, uh, according to the lawsuit, I'm just looking through it right now just to make sure I get it right. Um, the lawsuit says both plaintiffs were worried that they might be fired for reporting the incidents. Uh, and they, cause they said they knew of another female who had, who had been fired for reporting sexual harassment. Uh, both prom- both said they were promised uh, that they would be protected under the NHL whistleblower policy. The league was provided with six recording uh, recordings of DiLorenzo's racially discriminatory behavior. And then the league via an attorney does destroyed the videos. The NHL seems like truly an awful place, like in terms <laughs> of its management down, you know, just the people who run it. It seems like every old ways society trope that you could throw out there about the old boys club. It seems like that's the way the NHL has been run and is currently still run by the old guard. And it's just, it doesn't like, I don't like the NHL as an organization at all. It's not a league you want to root for. Like you like the teams and the guys on the ice and the players, but everything surrounding it's kind of just gross and disgusting. Every time I see Gary Bettman on TV, I'm like, ugh. Like, it's not what, run. What, it's, what now? It's not run like a professional league. I shouldn't. Whenever the commissioner comes out, it shouldn't be like, ugh. What do you want? I think people are like that with Goodell, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, fan. <laughs> I don't like that. Yeah. I guess that's true. But at least they seem to like the NFL. Right. And fans like the NBA and MLB, I know, has its issues. But, it, you know, it's not about... 
a lot of people, sorry, dumbasses, uh, will look at something like that and the criticism of it and go, well, if you hate hockey so much, just stop watching. You don't know. The only reason I still watch is because I like hockey. The league fucking sucks. Mm. And I don't understand what you don't understand. Like, did you read it? Did you comprehend it? It's one thing to read something. It's another thing to understand what you read. I, it's, it's just another thing. It's another thing. It's, here's, here's something for the comment section or for the Discord. What would it take for you to trust the National Hockey League? Like, what would it take for you to take the National Hockey League at its word? What would it take for you to feel welcome? by the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. I mean, we didn't... Uh, did, Jesse, uh, on the last show, did we even talk about the NHL not even really being part of the Hockey Diversity Alliance uh, video that uh, they put out? We did mention it, yeah. We did? They uh, they were asked to be a part of it, and they uh, didn't give approvals for uh, NHL jerseys or any NHL logos to be allowed in the commercial. Lots of NHL players were pressured to not be a part of the HDA. Oh, that's right. We did talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's an awful place. <laughs> and well, and the first thing I noticed about it and maybe, maybe this is a ridiculous thing to notice and a petty thing. And maybe there's nothing actually there, but when they did retweet it, the first party they mentioned was Budweiser. Oh my <laughs> they were God. like, we want to thank Budweiser for this <laughs> video. Wow. Which and like, I know Budweiser was involved and you know, we, we did talk about that and we gave them their props. Like I was amazed at, um, you know, what was included in it um, in the video. Like it's, I've, I've worked with some pretty big brands and it's, uh, it's pulling teeth to get them to step out of their comfort zone. And hey man, that's I, I was shocked. Pretty sports, uncomfortable video. I was shocked that Sportsnet allowed Akeem Aliou to come on and bash the NHL like that. I really was. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe not bash is the wrong word. Tell the truth about the NHL like that. I was shocked. I, you know, Sportsnet's a rights holder. They have a very close relationship with the NHL. I was, I, I know that Sportsnet management heard from Gary Bettman that, that next day. I just know it. Had to have. Had yeah. to have. Absolutely. And were they wrong? No. Or was I, he I wrong? Think, I think Sportsnet made the right call. Like, I think that that's the right thing to do. Um, I don't know if you guys mentioned it, and I, I apologize. I spilled my drink off camera here. And I want to make sure it didn't. I was wondering what the equipment. hell you were doing. Yeah. Okay. Um, but did you mention that the, you know, the NHL also didn't allow any of its players to wear the mm-hmm. HCA jerseys? Uh, yeah, we they were barred from that. Yeah, we said we said something along those lines. I'm trying to. I can't even find the retweet. I don't even know if it was on the NHL's actual account that they retweeted it. That I might mean, have been. It was. It was. Was it? Yeah, I don't know if it's still there, but it was. It must have been a few days ago then. Yeah, it was. It was on uh, Saturday. Oh, okay. Well, now I'm just I'm scrolling. So, but you you heard what I said, Steve, right? Yes. The NHL did not allow players just to wear a hockey diversity alliance jersey. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't allow it. Can't happen. You think about that. You know, that's, that's not, that's not reasonable. That's control for control's sake. That's autocratic behavior. That's the kind of thing you asked me, what would make me trust, 
You need a change in leadership and you need a leadership group that can change personnel more than once every 30 years. No, but Batman's not going anywhere. He said. I mean, man, if the Kyle Beach thing didn't bring him down, I don't know what would. Yeah. Unless, and Steve, maybe this goes back to our point about Evander Kane, unless, you know, the, the only thing that could get him fired is being bad at his job for the owners. Well, th that's the thing, right? They love him. They love him Some and love him. I don't think it's fair anymore. From what I've heard, I don't think it's fair anymore to say that every owner loves Gary Bettman. I'm not yeah. even sure that it's fair to say that 60% of okay. the owners love him. Jeremy Jacobs loves him. <laughs> loves Gary Bettman. And there is, yeah, there is a there is a top tier of ownership. Just because you own in the NHL doesn't mean that you're listening to hockey really is run by like one like Mr. Burns doppelganger. Like and that and that's it. <laughs> Put him next to Mr. Burns. Um yeah, so anyway, this is a story that we're obviously Rick's got more coming. Um, Good. and, uh, and you know, we'll see, we'll find out what the NHL says and we'll find out if it's proven, see where it goes. Or, uh, it could be a situation where it's settled outside of court. We never hear of it again, which also happens. Um, but you know, it's funny, every little stone you unturn, it goes, Ooh, Ooh, I don't like that. Ooh, I don't like that. You just wonder about the stones that have yet to be unturned. Right. Yeah. Something as simple to. as like the whistleblower line, not being, protect not protecting people who are whistleblowing it's just that in itself is explosive and then you throw on everything on top of that i wish there was legal ramifications for the nhl like i know if they settle then it's all it's all cut and dry but i wish there was some law they were breaking or something like that so that they could actually be taken down in some respects and gary bettman would be out you know but unless it reaches that point they're gonna try and skirt this like they have everything and it's gonna be Hopefully not a disappointing end, but I'm not rooting for them to just have this settled and go away for sure. Not a lot of faith, huh? No. Um, what, like, why should we, though? Yeah. Should we? Well, no, I'm not saying we should. No, no, no certainly well, not. Well, then... then. They can kiss my ass. No, I know. I know. I know what you're saying. I know what you're yeah, saying. No, the only way that this is anything like this gets like reported and has actual information behind it is because of the wonderful journalism we see from people like requested and Katie Strang. Because if that it was is... up to anything up within the game, we would never hear about these stories and these awful things and they would just keep going. So thankfully we have people like that to actually uh, do some work here and not just let the NHL get away with all of this nonsense. No, and the NHL supports good journalism. Oh, sorry, I've just been handed a note that says they try to freeze them out of 45-minute press conferences. Sorry, my mistake. You can see how a mistake like that could have been made. Leap That's sucks. one of the most pathetic things I've ever seen. Yeah. We didn't talk about down. that enough. Yeah. Sorry, Jesse, what were you saying? The yeah, league sorry. sucks top down. That's it. Yeah. Um, now, uh, lastly, with all the news yesterday, you might have missed this. John Shaker started the day off uh, with writing an article on Sportico, which is sort of like a business website for, for sports. And it's, it's, uh, it's written by him, but it's titled NHL's Youngest Ever GM Reveals Some Hard Lessons Learned. And I guess... Um, you know, what, what happened to John Shaka and what happened with the Coyotes within the last couple of years? I mean, I think we'd know a lot more were it not for the pandemic. 
the pandemic has sucked up a lot of oxygen. And actually, I have concerns about that in general. What is slipping through the cracks in, in the NHL or in sports or in news? Because we have so many reporters on COVID. You know, we're talking about COVID, reporting on COVID. What are the case numbers? 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 Like, what, what else is happening here where these reporters that would have actually been assigned to other stories, um, and that's a shrinking group, by the way, because of all the cutbacks, what's not being reported? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, we've almost relied, like, I think as a news cycle, we're relying far too much on COVID to generate the clicks that people want. And I think we need to get back to talking about things other than COVID. COVID's important. COVID is scary. COVID is all the things that you want to DM me about for sure. But we also need to talk about these other things because they're still continuing. And the John Shaker situation and the Arizona Coyote situation is a situation to me that I was confused about at the time and that I remain confused about to this day. So if you remember, um, you know, he was, uh, he was 26 when he was hired as the general manager of the Coyotes. He and Dubas were essentially the kind of the first two guys of the analytics era GMs, but very different approaches um, and very different backgrounds. Uh, he ended a playoff drought. He ended an eight-year playoff drought for the Coyotes, but he also cost them a lot um, because um, I don't know if you remember this, um, but at first he, so I'm going to read directly from a Sportsnet article when John Shaka's suspension kicked in. He was suspended from the NHL for an entire year, if you remember that. At issue yep. appeared to be whether the team allowed, this is the Coyotes, Cheka to produce to pursue another opportunity. Elliot Friedman reported about one month before the divorce, another NHL team reached out to the Coyotes asking for permission to speak to Cheka about a job. The request was initially denied, but later permitted, and an offer Cheka couldn't refuse was made. Friedman reported that the Coyotes made it clear that the title's general manager and or president of hockey operations could not be involved to prove that Cheka was not making a lateral move. Sheikha's tenure with the club came under further scrutiny after hearing uh, after a hearing on August 6th when the Coyotes acknowledged they had violated the league's combine testing policy during the 1920 um, season by conducting physical testing on draft eligible players prior to the event. At the end of the month, the organization was forced to forfeit its 2020 second round pick, its 2021 first round selection for its action. No discipline uh, was handed down on any specific indivi individuals on the case. So, so he, here's the other thing, guys, and I don't know if you even know this, but I had to ask around. And again, I'm not even sure if I can name the people I asked, so I'm not going to. But thank you to the people that clarified it for me. Um, I, I, I said to, to a few people, okay, so run me through the timeline here. You know, the, the rumor was it was the New Jersey Devils slash Philadelphia 76ers that wanted to hire John Shaka. What happened? So from what I understand, the, the I was basketball told, team? Yeah, because they're... Yeah, the Sixers and the Devils or something like that. There was some sort of connection. Is, are they owned by the same team? I don't know. Oh, you know group? what? I think they are owned by the same group. Same group, I think. Anyway, long story short, um, John Shaka signs this. I think it was an eight-year extension with the guy. It was a big, fat extension. Maybe it was five years. Maybe it was eight. I don't know. I might have that wrong. And like the next day wants to go. <laughs> and... Then, from what I understand, and again, more of this needs to come out because it, it was never really clarified and then the COVID pandemic hit. Um, he 
told this organ, he told the Coyotes, I'm not going over to this other organization to do that. I'm going to be in a leadership role. It's going to be with both, you know, the Devils and 76ers. Again, this is the story I've been told. And then it turns out and they find out that, oh no, he's going to be directly involved in management decisions. He will be akin to a general manager, even if they're not giving him the title. So literally they're like, let's just white out the title of general manager and call him manager general. And that will be John Chica. He is manager general of the New Jersey Devils. Um, and, and I think, uh, so, so what's happened though, is the suspension is now over guys. He was suspended for an entire year. Suspension is now over. But what I've been wondering, and this is why this article is so interesting, is A, what happened, and B, well, you had an offer from the, the Devil 76ers, maybe, possibly, probably. Did that just go away? Because he's, he's formed his own company, lives in Niagara-on-the-Lake, not working in the NHL from what I know. What happened to that offer? If they wanted you that badly, wouldn't they have stuck around for 12 months to wait out your suspension? I straight up thought he worked for the Devils. No, he's always so, been an interesting character because he's truly an outside force in the game of hockey. Sure. He owns 12 Wendy's franchises, I believe. So he was never tied to the game financially or from like a career perspective. He could always just go fuck off and do whatever he wants because he owns a bunch of Wendy's. He's a he's a business mogul. And then he starts to athletes and they bring him on. And it, it was always going to be this innovative hire. And it's disappointing that. He didn't work out, but it's also shocking that another NHL team wouldn't come knocking afterwards. And maybe that's still on the table because his suspension was just uh, it just ended. So maybe there are still teams coming. But John Shaka should be in the game. He should be in some sort of sports just because he's a business. He's a great uh, he's a great mind. Mm-hmm. You know, agree. So it's shocking that there's no deal out there for him. So. Um... To run you through the article, and I, I'm not going to do the whole thing. I do encourage you to read it. It's in Sportico. But um, he talks about imposter syndrome, and he defines it. And he said, though I couldn't identify it at the time, I was experiencing what psychologists call imposter syndrome. First coined in the 70s, this phenomenon typically affects high achievers who attribute their success um, not to their own abilities, but to a fluke or grand good luck. Imposters feel like a fraud, a fraud destined to fail despite a mountain of evidence to the contrary. I think everybody's felt that to some extent, right? Sure. You, you get into a job you're brand new at and you're like, how the hell did I get here? Um, am I any good at this? Am I going to last here? That sort of thing. Um, I never resume, played hockey and this is what I do for a living. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> he says, driving to the arena in my first days as GM, I remember fixating on my resume, working to talk myself into a degree of self-confidence. <laughs> I'd majored in business school at a top school, graduating at the top of my class. I'd been in hockey all my life in one form or another, beginning with countless hours in a backyard rink in Canada to founding a gold standard, the gold standard of hockey analytics, Stathletes, with my brother-in-law in his basement. I was also overseeing a restaurant portfolio with the larger staff and more expansive operations than my eventual position with the Coyotes. He said, now we, al- we now operate over 30 restaurants, employ over 1,000 people, and I sit on the board of Wendy's Canada. Who knew? That's crazy. I had no idea. Only in retrospect did I fully grasp that this fear and self-doubt was strength in disguise. Now, he, then he goes into his, and, and this is where, this is where I want, I, I really want you to pay attention because I can't figure out what's, I understand that this is an article about sort of leadership and about believing in yourself, but it does feel like there's a message trying to be sent here and I can't figure out what it is. 
So I'm hoping that you guys can help me. So I'm going to read some stuff and I'm just, I'm just taking highlights. I'm going to close my eyes and listen really hard. This is on his time with the Coyotes. Five years removed from those initial doubts. And now uh, I, I see now that my years leading an NHL team taught me several lessons. The most important of which is that leadership is hard and that's okay. These fears you feel, despite uh, what your brain says about your qualifications, are a natural element of achieving outsized successes and of helping those around you to transcend their own fears and limits. Excuse me for a moment. I have to call. During my tenure and partnership uh, with another young leader, team president Aaron Cohen, the Coyotes set franchise records in ticket sales, TV ratings, corporate uh, partnerships, and philanthropic contributions. There was no magic to these achievements. We reached our goals by rolling up our sleeves and leading in every sense of the word. We made genuine connections with the community, investing time in listening and learning about challenge, the challenges of others and leading our organization with a clear vision for the future, a vision that made people proud to represent our team. Um, on the ice, we, went we spent efficiently and punched above our weight, finally ending an eight-year playoff drought. And then here's what he says on leaving the Coyotes. I've declined many media requests to discuss my departure from the Coyotes in 2020 because the truth is it was hard. However, it's also true that, like any good leader, I needed to make a hard decision, and this was the right time, the right one for myself and my family. While leaders are ultimately judged by their wins, they must also recognize when it is time to move on, and that's what I did. In hockey, and this is the finale, in hockey, in the quick service restaurant business, and in life, I have learned over and again that investing in people is what makes you a true leader. Practicing empathy and compassion is a competitive advantage that I can promise you, we sometimes look at leaders with rose-colored glasses and perceive only the glamorous parts of the job. The reality is it's much more complex. Leadership is hard. Making complicated decisions, particularly those that impact others, is hard, and that's okay. And that's sort of the end of it. So I picked and chose, uh, you know, there might be some things that maybe you go back and you read the full article and 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 because I'm not an Audible subscription, I'm not going to read the whole article out to you. But I was Why not? To, I was trying to to grasp pieces of it that I thought were interesting. And from what I've told you, it, it, it sort of, if I was reading it purely to, to be like, yeah, I can do this, like whatever, about whatever my business challenge was, I'd be like, yeah, okay, here's a guy that did it and had self-doubt and, and, and did some things, right? And is successful in multiple areas, sports, quick service restaurants, whatever else. And he's, he's, he's uh, founded a new company and lives with, and has a great family. But what I'm trying to figure out is from the hockey perspective, you know, there's no mention there about what happened when he left the Coyotes, really. Talks about that it was time to move on, but was, none of the, not the story. And the story was because you tried to move on in the way that you did, you were suspended for a year. What happened? That was going to be my question. Did he talk about why he was kicked out of the league no. for a year? No. Well, then it's a waste of time. The, your story is you were kicked out of the league for a year. Why? If you don't, well, if you don't answer that question, how do you view getting kicked out of the NHL for a year, a league that is legitimately hard to get kicked out of, as we discussed? Like, why? Why were you kicked out for a year? I want to hear your thoughts. And I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not interested in hearing how you run Wendy's. Like. But maybe, I mean, I, again, it is the sporting business magazine. I'm trying to figure out what the, the target audience there would be. I, I just sports. So for me, 
when I read this, I feel like he's trying to highlight some of the losses that perhaps, sorry, the wins that he, he had in Arizona that were perhaps overshadowed by how he left. It feels like he's, especially in the early bits, uh, I was just closing my eyes and listening to the sultry tones of Adam Wilde. It felt like he was writing a letter to himself, like a, like a self-affirming, no, you are good at this. You are a good leader. This, this, these things that you do are good. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I didn't learn anything about John Chaka other than he r- runs Wendy's. That's all I learned from that article. And that means it's useless. Jesse. Uh, yeah. It sounded like an open letter to himself. Right. Dear Santa. I've been a very good boy. John Jacob. Jesse, I might need you to turn up your mic again. I'm not really sure why, but you've gone down in levels again. Okay. T- Always need more Jesse. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it just, it's, it's, it's unsatisfying what I'm telling you, right? Cause it's sort of like there usually there's like a clear conclusion here, but what I'm trying to say is I read this and I was like, okay, it seems like there's something you want to say here, but I'm not getting it. And I wondered if I was the only one. No, it's, I mean, I think there's a reason this didn't get a lot of traction, right? This is one of the things where you were like, why isn't everyone talking about this? Because he didn't say anything. Well, Fridge tweeted it out, but even then it didn't go anywhere. Right. Fridge retweeting it can't make the article say anything. (laughs) You know what I mean? He amplified nothing. (laughs) If the article is nothing and it's amplified, you're amplifying nothing. It's like multiplying by zero. This thing. There's there's some math for you there, John. I like and I'm I I'm not for or against John Chaka. I don't have a passionate opinion about him. But I do feel like I have a less passionate opinion about him after hearing that excerpt. I know less about John Chaka. What? Like what was that? What's if this was a what was the purpose of this? That's what I'm trying to ask. Yeah. And I'm here to tell you uh, whatever it was, you failed. Okay. Because you're trying to convey. Surely he wasn't trying to convey nothing. No. But there that's was, what there, I got from it. There was a message in there. I'm just missing it. I got to read. I'll read the whole thing tomorrow when my brain is fully functional. It's not at the moment. Um. I didn't learn anything about John Jacob from that. I still want to know what happened. I'd love to know his take on it. I'd love to know what he has to say about it. But as he said, he's turning down media requests. So probably he's not going to come on the show to talk about it. Like the coyotes blasted him. They did. The owner went like, was like, we're so he used the word disappointed. Yeah. Like I heard that. I remember we were all very surprised when we talked about that. I remember the press release and, you know, very strongly, worded language and he waits a year to tell us about a burger joint i've if the plan was to get me to buy wendy's after the show (laughs) he might have succeeded i think (laughs) i could lose it use a couple jbc's right now oh i think i'm gonna get some hmm, shit God damn it, John Jacob. All right. Well, I'm going to order some of that right now. Well, but beyond that, price. beyond that, 
Uh, I didn't, I didn't get anything from that. I didn't get anything from that. I, I will say like, I remember, um, John Jacob's story sort of makes me reflect on myself a little bit because, you know, there was a lot of hype around Kyle Dubas and there was a lot of hype around John Chaka and it's because they were young in a rather old sport, uh, in a sport where Paul Maurice is considered young. <laughs> they were actually young. If that makes sense in yeah. a sport where Sheldon Keefe is considered young. That dude's like 40. Yeah. He actually is young. This guy is young. He's 26 when he took over. He was 26 when he took over. It's now, insane. I'm not saying you can't hire a 26-year-old to be the general manager of a hockey team. Some people are special and exceptional. Um, I can tell you with confidence, I had not lived enough life by 26. And I think that's important. I'm not saying 26-year-olds can't be smart enough or savvy enough, know enough about business, know enough about hockey. I'm simply saying by age 26, I had not lived enough life. Emotional intelligence, Steve. Yeah, that's a big ability, part of it. The ability to relate, have empathy, to say I've been there before. Sometimes we need that from our leaders, right? Sometimes it's more than just them being smarter than us. Sometimes it's from your leaders you need, hey, I've, I've struggled with the same thing and here's how I got through it. So, and how many of those things have you been through at 26? And, and he mentioned that in the article. Yeah. So should the title of the article, should the body of the article be, I turned 33 this year. <laughs> it's all I learned, man. It's all I learned. But okay. I, 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 if, if he's in a weird place, like it's, all, it's almost like a cry for help. Uh, I, I wondered if it wasn't like a reset on his, on, on our last, uh, you know, our last impression of him. Like, is that last we heard of him? He would, he was suspended. Is that au revoir to, to the NHL? Is that what he's saying? I wondered if it was a, Hey, I did some good things. Why don't you let me back in? I wondered if it was that. Is that his appeal to Gary Bettman? What's that? That, That's his appeal to Gary Bettman. I made the coyote some money. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he'd be the only one. (laughs) Is does this come on the heels of uh, the Coyotes have had nothing but bad news of late? Well, and I've got all that for you. If you guys didn't cover it on Monday, did you guys? Uh, do you have oh, all the, these the, the city Tempe council shift? stuff? Yeah, no, I don't. Okay. Oh, Adam, I don't. So have let, the let me. Well, let me run you through it. It's really easy. It's not hard to understand. Oh, if Craig Morgan, the, no team has made us talk about city council more than the Coyotes. I know. Although the Flames are trying. So here's the situation, guys, and I'll explain it really quick. Craig Morgan did an incredible job of explaining this, and I encourage you to follow at Craig S. Morgan. Um, But the Coyotes, as of right now, do not have enough votes on Tempe City Council to get the arena deal done. And uh, Account for Hockey, who is a great follow, pointed this out about three weeks ago and rightly deserves the credit for bringing it to life because at that time, people, Coyotes fans, especially, ah, it's just the Toronto media at it again. Well, it turns out that report was very close to accurate, if not completely. Um, uh, Per the sources, and this is from Craig's article, and Craig is the most trusted source you can find on the Coyotes. There are three yes votes, two no votes, and two votes that are undecided, but leaning towards no after the Coyotes' recent failure to pay their taxes and bills came to light. Quote, the Coyotes certainly aren't doing themselves any favors with the negative news stories, one source said. I would imagine if another negative story comes up 
or if owner Alex Morello or his organization or their business practices, uh, if, if another story comes up about that, it will probably die. Those stories hurts, hurt tremendously. Because if you're on city council and you sign these guys up for this, and I'll, I'll explain what they're going to get signed up for in a second. And then you've brought in an organization that has a history of not paying its bills and then they don't pay their bills. People are going to look at you and go, what did you think was going to happen, man? Right? What did you think was what? What have you seen so yeah. far? And then you get voted out and you lose your position, right? <clears throat> also, you're trying to protect the public purse. So here's what's nuts about this story, guys. And this is why the story is so fascinating. And I know city council stuff's boring, but check this out. The Coyotes aren't even up against any competition for this spot with Tempe. The city wants a professional sports team and they asked people to apply for it. Huh. So on September... So check this out. On September 2nd, the city of Tempe reported the Coyotes were only, the only group to submit a proposal in response to its request for proposals for a project incorporating a professional sports franchise and an entertainment district for two parcels of city-owned land totaling 46 acres at the northeast corner of Priest Drive and whatever parkway, doesn't matter. Proponents of the deal uh, worry that if the deal is turned down, the Coyotes could pursue another nearby arena in Salt River, uh, Pima, Maricopa, Indian community. Uh, it, and, and again, that's that's what it's called. It would be right on Tempe's border, but uh, Tempe would get all the problems, including traffic and none of the tax revenue. The land site in question for development was previously used as a sand and gravel mining operation. It would require, you know, we're, we're probably looking at something like 70 million bucks to bring it up to code. The Coyotes were going to pay more than half of that um, for their parcel of it. And remember this, the Coyotes uh, have nowhere to go at the beginning of next year. So the Coyotes are literally the only bidder for this. It's a gravel pit. The city does not want to lose a professional team because they could just go next door to the next district. And then Tempe has to deal with the bullshit of them being literally on the border, right? With no revenue. And they still might vote no. They still might say not interested. And, and this is also crazy. La remember this from the beginning of the year. Um, and this is uh, the uh, Gila uh, City or Gila River Arena. Uh, the Coyotes uh, do not have a lease there for next year. The Coyotes are good for this year, guys. But 22-23 season, they do not have a place to play. Here's, here's why... Here's Tempe's uh, hesitance with uh, not wanting a team despite wanting a team. Mm -hmm. Why do they want a team? Money. Money. Tax revenue. What do the Coyotes lack entirely? A way to make money. There you go. But I do have an idea. I read an article about a young man named John Chaka. And they should hire him and bring him back to the... No, uh, man, I just... <sighs> Listen, we, at the beginning of our show that has been around for a long time, mm -hmm. we're sort of on the side of maybe the Coyotes should leave. Then we spoke to enough Coyotes fans that we were like, all right, the Coyotes shouldn't leave, but we're quite tired of talking about this. Mm-hmm. Then we evolve to Coyotes fans. We love you dearly, but I'm so sick of talking about this. And now I think I'm just about ready 
to get to Coyotes fans. I love you dearly with all my heart, but perhaps they should move. Dude, how long are we going to, how long are we going to do this? So, okay. But, but then, then, okay. So the ownership group is still there. What other city is going to take them if they're not known for paying their taxes? Houston. No, I think the NHL wants to expand there. They want, remember, moving a franchise is not profitable for the NHL. They want an expansion tag. They want the the billion dollars it's going to take to start a new franchise in the NHL. So let's call the Coyotes what they are, a decoy. They're a decoy team that barely exists for the purpose of TV deals. Uh, And they're going to expand to Houston come hell or high water where they will get a bunch of money for it. And a lot of that money is going to go to keeping the decoy afloat. You ever see your hockey team practice with those fake defensemen? Yeah, the big. That's the Coyotes. As the Leafs get set to play them tonight, and I assume what will now lose to them. Five, three Leafs loss. But (laughs) uh, like, dude, okay, they don't make money. They don't pay their damn taxes. They don't win any games. What are they for? What are they for? They're a scarecrow in the middle of a field. That's it. That's what they're for. The logical solution is to move them to Houston, but they want to expand there. So they're a scarecrow. What eventually led to Atlanta losing the Thrashers to Winnipeg was a roughly $130 million in losses uh, over six years, and then ownership selling to True North, who moved it to Winnipeg. So if the losses continue to pile up and you get the Arizona ownership to finally sell again mm-hmm. after just buying the team, maybe that is the final nail in the coffin that moves the team over to Houston. If you get this ownership group, because I, I think this ownership group will try and stick it out no matter what, and they'll probably have the thumbs up from Gary to just keep keep plugging away keep trying in arizona but if if this group is forced to sell like all the previous ones have had then had to do then probably that's it the next one comes in and they buy it and they move it somewhere so this ownership group too to add to your point jesse their specialty is buying distressed properties and then rehabbing them and then selling them at a profit the coyotes are a distressed property They are. And it's not, listen, you know, I know Coyotes fans get really upset about this and I completely understand uh, in the sense that like you think that we're attacking you or attacking the crest. We're not. This is attacking the way that the business is done behind the scenes. And it's not, we're not trying to invalidate your fandom because I I think it's a fucking, it's breathtaking that anyone still cheers for this team, given what's happened. I think there was a time where we all thought no one in Arizona liked hockey. Uh, We know that's not the case but this team cannot run itself. It can't run itself. So that to me is where the NHL has to step in Mm -hmm. or someone involved has to get a clue because you have a giant metropolis and there's a bunch of hockey fans there. Steve, I'm going to say that, hey, the NHL did that already and owned the team for like half a decade while they tried to make it profitable and eventually sold it to... Uh, the new ownership group. The NHL tried. They own this team themselves. They tried to make it work, and it's. And now we've reached a point where it's not working again. I'm, I'm trying to be kind. So, how many 
things on the let's try this list do we have to get down before we stop being kind and we go that's enough because mm-hmm. te- we've done a all city the with no on the list a city with no team doesn't want you no hey we want a professional sports team and the coyotes go hey and they go no 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 not you <laughs> no no we said professional that's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. When are we done? I'm not saying I want this to be done. I don't. Quite the opposite. I hope the Coyotes stay in Arizona forever. When are we done? Mm-hmm. Also, losing doesn't help. They need to try and win. Mm-hmm. No, well, that's what all the draft picks are for. I mean, I the them, value of the team is going to go years. up. The value yeah. of the team is going to go up. Oh, yeah. uh, at You know when it's going to go up? Here, what date is the draft? <laughs> uh-huh. I think it's July 7th. That is the day the value of the Arizona Coyotes will skyrocket. Yeah, Shane Wright's going to be a great Coyote. There yeah. you go. Arr- and it's going to go right up. But until then, toilet. I think you give the group a couple more years here before we call it quits. Uh, at least if this is what they specialize in, let them try and also let the management group turn it around. They're clearly in a rebuild phase. Let's do it. What better time than right now? Do you remember when they signed Taylor Hall? Yeah. No, they traded, traded, for, for, traded Taylor for Taylor Hall. Yeah. And they were really good. And <clears throat> then got really bad. I wanted to hear about the Taylor Hall trade in that article. We didn't get it. No, we didn't. So anyway, long story short, that's where we're at. I think, you know, the show has gone on quite long. And so I think that we won't do the press conference today, but we leave you with a lot to think about. Definitely interested in hearing your Sheka decoded uh, uh, encryption messages on our discord. Go to sdpn.ca to sign up for that. Uh, and uh, we love you. And I think that's it, right? That's uh, it. We're done. Just a quick uh, update from Elliot Friedman. Uh, hearing NHL has notified teams it is investigating process of Evander Kane crossing border from U.S. into Canada on December 29th. Kane tested positive for COVID on December 21st and flew to Vancouver on the 29th. In termination notice from San Jose, it was alleged he did not have proper medical clearance. NHL is now doing full investigation. This will likely prevent Kane from signing in the short term as teams await the results. Wow. Wow. So... Dan Milstein's got to put down the phone. <laughs> They'll have a deal in place long before that's uh, wrapped up. I I badly want to know what Dan Milstein's getting out of this because <laughs> I don't think he needs this shit. No, he lost some. He definitely lost some agent profit there, right? If, uh, uh, if, the, so. if the contract was terminated, he lost his commission on that. Yeah. He it wasn't his commission to be had. Oh, it wasn't that wasn't his agent when he signed it? No. Right, because oh. Kane fired his agent, what, a couple months ago? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know what he's, he's, you know, I don't know what he's getting out of this. Okay. Well, we'll see. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave it at that. We will see you Friday. Thanks so much for all the nice messages. Uh, health is good and really appreciate it. We'll be back in studio next week. Remote on Friday. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you then. Underscore Dangle at Adam W Y L D E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.